Facts of Faith. It's Facts of Faith. It's supposed to be an hour, and I keep on saying it is not, so please get with the program. Let's start dialing 0891-104207. Please be aware that we're having a very hard hitting debate this morning and if you feel that your children aren't supposed to be listening to this conversation about polygamy then feel free to well get the children out of the room let's begin our conversation our question this morning is saying why are we critical of polygamy even where religion permits it take note i did not say it gives an injunction for people to be polygamous but it does permit it now, there's three names, very prominent names in sub-Saharan Africa that are known to be polygamous. That's our very own President Jacob Gelechegi Sazuma. That is um, Kingdom Swati in Swaziland. And then we have our own King, King Goodwill Zuelitin. All of these men suffer the ire of many critics who say there is something wrong with these men when they engage in polygamy. But when you look into our culture, whether it is the Swazi culture, the Nguni culture, the Zulu culture, and religion, most importantly, they all permit it. Then why? Why are you, as a religious person, if your Bible or your Quran or your Torah permits it, why are you frowning against it? Well, to give us some answers and some perspective, joining me now in the studio is a pastor or a bishop, whichever suits your fancy. Joshua Ponga III is a cultural activist, a writer, a f- fighter of spiritual colonialism. I like that one. And he's here in our studios. Uh, good morning to you, Bishop. Good morning. Thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you for calling me in. And also, we do have um, uh, our guest in, Cape, guest in our Cape Town studios, Mulana Sean Appleby. He's an imam of the street mosque in Cape Town. Good morning to you, sir, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good morning, and thank you for this uh, invite. And also, we do have Dr. Mutsamai Malifa, doctor, professional philosopher, and an Wow, an ethicist with a special emphasis on African philosophy and African ethics. Also does work on Christian ethics. And I just discovered another piece of information about the good professor. Good morning to you, sir, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. Let's get down to it, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to begin with the bishop here with me in the studio. Uh, does the Bible permit, really permit? And when I say Bible, I'm not referring to the Old Testament because generally people tend to refer to the Old Testament. When I say Bible, I mean the entirety of the document, Old and New Testament. Does the Bible permit polygamy? There are things that the Black Book condones. There are things that the, Bible, the Black Book condemns. It's unfortunate that in the midst of uh, Christianizing Africa, the things that are condemned are condoned, and what is condoned is condemned. We have a, f- a fleet of passages that will tell us where Yahweh God himself killed people for various forms of mischief, like uh, insubordination, for example, like uh, contraception, for example, like um, uh, not obeying the commandments, and etc. But we have not yet found a passage on scripture that will show us God killing or conducting such an act over an act of polygamy. In fact, most of the patriarchs that we are referring to, including Jesus himself, is born from a polygamous family because Mary was a second wife to Joseph himself. Could you share with us the scripture that tells us that point? Mary, you want to read that from the greater text, Joseph was an old man, and it would be possible that he would have been single. But if you read extra sources like the Gospels of Mary and etc., with the contiguities of Josephus, 
There's a scholar, you would want to find out that there's no way a 70-year-old man would have been lazing around. And the text that tells us James, the brother of John, etc., we don't hear Mary having other children after that. So okay. most likely these brothers and sisters are actually meant to have been the sons of Joseph prior right. to the birth of Jesus. So we're using extra biblical material to substantiate this point. You, you would get yourself tantalized if you begin to say extra biblical because we're not there on the canonization. The whole amalgamation of what we call the 66 books when the Ethiopian Bible is 88 throws the whole thing off the table. Well, actually we're not even talking about the canonization of the Bible right now. What we're talking about is what has been accepted by the modern day church to be the Bible. If the church has believed that the Bible is the 66 documents or 66 books, then let's talk about just that. Can we can't safely say that the material you're using is extra to the 66? You can exclude Joseph for the purpose of extra biblical material. Okay. You can take up the sons of Adam on chapter 4. One of the boys, they started off having polygamy. Okay. You can pick up on Abraham, a polygamous man himself. Okay. You can pick up on Jacob by default and etc pick up on david pick up okay. on solomon right. and the rest of the, of the even including samuel okay the so we can safely say that polygamy is is relegated to the old testament not necessarily relegated to the old testament if you notice that the jewish culture grows from old to new testament there's no way you can cut through the book of Malachi, I and agree. say culture changes between Matthew I and Malachi. I agree, but as far as the text is concerned, we don't have a text that seems to be condoning polygamy in the New Testament. Neither is polygamy condemned. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But what I'm saying is that for now, when we speak of permission or condemnation, we don't have any text in the New Testament that supports it. Uh... Neither would you find one that condemns it. That's the point exactly. No problem. So no problem. we are not we are not supposed to make doctrine where the Bible is silent. No problem. No problem. As much as tithe, how you do not how find a passage in the New Testament that says bring your tithe. Fair enough. But why are we teaching it? Can can we then say that um, when we speak of polygamy, this is not something that is a biblical must or proscription. This is something that we're comfortable with. For the purposes of the debate, yes. there is a passage also in the New Testament, yes. I think in Corinthians, that says if you are going to choose an elder or so, you must be a man of one wife. Yes. So it means that if you don't want to become an elder or you don't want to become a bishop, you're not necessarily subjected to the concept of the one wife sort of thing. So, so here we're using deductive reasoning. It, it actually says not addicted to too much wine yes. and must be husband of one, yes. one wife. So, so it he, almost means... You can drink wine. You can drink your wine. You can have your two wives <laughs> as long as you're not interested in leadership. Okay, let's have the philosopher joining the conversation. Dr. Mutsavai Munife, your take on this, first and foremost, as far as you understand, is there a scripture? And when I say scripture, I don't mean one testament. Well, well, if you do a thorough analysis of the Bible, it seems that the Bible does not uh, reflect on this issue per se. What you see is instances of uh, people practicing monogamy and people practicing uh, polygamy. So the key issue then is how do, you how do you deal with the silence of the Bible? And that's where then my philosophy comes in to interpret the issue from a philosophical perspective. So my insight, my position into the issue is that uh, the burden has been that a lot of people have wrongly thought that polygamy and monogamy are issues that can be taught, can be thought of in terms of right and wrong. In other words, they are moral issues. In actual fact, they are not moral issues. 
they are actually cultural or customary issues. Allow me to interject right there. I'm not really w- I'm hoping that we can venture into the ethicity of this issue. I just want us to find out if there is a fact that we can ascribe to the scriptures. Because that's what we do in this program, to find out if the things we believe in are scriptural, whether you find it in the Quran, the Torah, or Quran, the Torah, or the Bible. Uh, that's why I'm asking, as far as the scriptures are concerned, in your best knowledge, is it permissible for a man to be polygamous? Look, insofar as scripture is concerned, if I limit myself to that, I, I don't find the Bible condemning, uh, neither condoning. The Bible uh, gives us what I call a hermeneutic silence in that regard. And for obvious reasons, the Bible is not necessarily concerned about those cultural issues. The Bible is ultimately concerned about telling us. But it seems to be very concerned about the cultural issues when it comes to a bishop, a deacon, and so forth. These men are supposed to be husbands to one wife. But, not, but look, it's not. It's but it's not taking paramount importance because not everyone ends up being a bishop. So. So that's why it limits to that group. But I'm not quite sure how you, what you mean when you say paramount importance. If it's written in the mean, Bible, then it is important, isn't it? No, no, I, I'm not disputing that. What I'm disputing is that a bishop, not everyone is going to be a bishop in society. But, but Christians but are supposed every, to be a generation but, of priests. Yeah, yeah. You are a generation of priesthoods. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Yeah, but we need to understand... A royal priesthood at that. Yeah, but that is, that, is, that is Apostle Peter trying to extend the idea of priesthood symbolically to the whole church and oh. destroying the, the Levitical system in line with a Hebraic text, the book of Hebrews. All right. But what he's not doing, what he's not doing, he's not looking into culture, into how people organize themselves in terms of families. He's not analyzing that particular issue. He's analyzing how we should live our lives in direct contact with God. All right. he talks about priesthood. Hold that thought. I want to bring in the, the, the Mulana to give us some perspective on this matter. But first and foremost, let's take a breather. Our best conversations are the ones we have with you. Call us on 0891-104-207. Tweet at SAFM Radio or SMS 34701. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We're joined in the studio by Mulana Sean Appleby, an imam of the Street Mosque in Cape Town. He's in our Cape Town studios. Imam, thank you very much. Or Mulana, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Now, from the perspective of the Quran and Islam, is polygamy scripturally permitted? I'm not interested in other documents. Just focusing on uh, the Quran. Is it permitted? Yes, in the Quran it is permitted. And um, it is clearly and unambiguously uh, mentioned in the chapter of the woman, in on verse three, it clearly states that uh, a male c- can marry more than one wife, and the limit is four. All right. The the reason for that, is, by the way, this is this is something that has been permitted um, from the times of Abraham, or is it something new? Uh, Polygamous uh, relationships or marriages has always been part of the uh, Abrahamic tradition. And uh, if uh, b- because of uh, Islam being an uh, extension of the, uh, and also being the, f- the completion of the message of all of the prophets, so when we have a look uh, in the lives of the prophets that preceded uh, the final prophet uh, of Islam, Uh, We see that all of them did have more than one wife. Except for for, uh, Jesus, peace be upon him. You're mentioning, indeed, you're mentioning the Abrahamic traditions. But I'm not really referring to the traditions of Abraham. I'm referring to 
the instructions of Abraham that have been documented throughout his writing career. Do we find anything by Abraham, whether it is oral, that he gave an injunction that men should or can, or is it something that we see happening without him saying, stop it? Well, um, from the Quranic perspective, as I mentioned, uh, there is uh, permission given and granted to those with certain conditions to have more than one wife. I got that part, yeah. Mulana. What I'm trying to establish is, do we find it something being an injunction as far as Abraham is concerned? Or is this something that is permitted by Mohammed? Is this something that is exclusive to Mohammed, perhaps? No, it's not exclusive. Uh, if we look, for example, at um, uh, King Solomon, if you look at uh, King David, we look at, uh, because according to Islam, uh, these are all prophets, the names I'm mentioning. Indeed. And, they, um, and we also have uh, Abraham, uh, peace be upon them all, who had more than one wife, all right, according so to with, Islam. With all of you gentlemen, we seem not to have a scriptural injunction that says men should. We seem to be talking about things that have been happening and for one reason or the other. And if we have a contrarian there, you'll find somebody saying, actually, these are things that slipped through the fingers that had they picked this up as a problem at the time, they would have stopped it. Because right now, we're not talking about something that says, um, like any other of the instructions from Abraham. Uh, and by, say, by referencing Abraham, by the way, these are all Abrahamic faiths, whether it is uh, Judaism, Islam and Christianity, they are all Abrahamic. So... Perhaps it is fair to say, Bishop, that we are treading on something that has not been stopped, not because it was right, but because it may have slipped through the so fingers. Why, ma why make a doctrine? Okay. Why stop those who are practicing it? Why condemn those who are into it? Okay. Why, why make a theological position on something that the Bible, as Dr. Mutsamai said rightly, that the Bible has been silent about? Okay. So why are we loud okay. about what the Bible is silent about? Maybe okay. it's not a measure of faith. All right, I want to open the lines for all of you, gentlemen. 0891-104207, 0891-104207. South Africa Today, I'm sure if you have read your newspapers and heard on radio interviews, they have been hammering on President Jacob Zuma for being a polygamist. And you don't know why, because South Africa is predominantly Nguni. And we do find that South Africa has a comfortable polygamous culture. Well, long before colonialism, then why do South Africans frown against the behavior of President Jacob Zuma, King Goodwill Zwetini, and King Swat? Why are we so apprehensive about these things if even our faith that we have adopted is also permissive of this? I'd love to hear from you, South Africa, especially those who are against it. Why are you against it if your Bible is silent as far as the gentlemen in the studios are concerned? If it's, as far as your culture is concerned, it's okay. Why are you against it as a person of faith, a person of faith in South Africa? Why are you against it? 0891 104207 People in monogamous relationships have problems. People in polygamy have problems. Unless one is willing to argue 
that uh, monogamous relationships have got different forms than polygamy. To demonstrate that empirically, it would be very difficult. So what's happening here is that when Christian missionaries came and taught us about family organization, they imposed their culture on African people. So because of a society that has been culturally captured, that's why we find ourselves in this crisis where people have developed undue a, a, a position, a cultural position against an African culture and certain other cultures that permit it. So I think the problem is that on an empirical basis, no one can argue that one relationship is more qualitative than the other because that would be a function of how stakeholders behave in the relationship, <laughs> not because it's a particular kind of a relationship. Let's go to Durban. Uh, Majola, good morning. Good, good morning. How are you? Well, thank you, sir. Go ahead. An, an interesting uh, topic. Um, uh, we end up not knowing what is it that is sin, uh, not a sin, because politicians, they, the, the, the pastors, they, 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 they are politicians also. They, they don't um, make it uh, clear to everyone according to the Bible. Let me make it very clear. Polygamy is not a sin um, according to the Bible. But if you, if you have more than one wife, you are... Say that again, Majora. You just got cut. Say that again. All right, we've lost Majora. Let's go to George. Owen, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead, um, Owen. I'd like to quote um, from Genesis 2. Yes, sir. Verse 24, where it says, when a man leaves his father and mother and, and clings to his wife, yes. they become one... In flesh. Yes. It doesn't mean to say, so you cannot become one in flesh if you have more than one wife, right? Explain how that is impossible, because if you can be, become one with Mary, you can become one with Jane, you can become one with Lorraine, what is, what, what, what is it that you're saying is impossible? I say that if you take, if you take a, wife, a man and woman, they, they get married. Yes. They become one, right, in the eyes of God. Yes, sir. And you cannot uh, be loyal to... To another person and say so you are one with that person and also one with that person you must be one how did you how did you move from becoming one to becoming loyal there owen how do the two intertwine loyalty and oneness no i'm saying okay maybe for a lack of a better word i'll just use the word loyalty but the other the other the other issue is that in the old testament um it doesn't mean that polynesians was acceptable, right, in the eyes of God. Okay. By the time, by the time uh, Jesus uh, came to earth, that was uh, not a, a, a widely practiced thing. And it was only also the rich. You're basing yeah, that on I'm what there? Owen, when you say when it came to the times of Jesus, it was not a widely practiced behavior, where did you get that from? Is it extra biblical? No, I mean, if you read the, if you read the, if you read the, the throughout the, the Bible, yes. right, and you also read that our God was the, the spirit with Solomon, right? Who had, who had many, had, a, had about a thousand wives, if I'm correct. More. Right? He had a concubines and all those things. So that was not um, good. With the, God was not really pleased with it. Okay, so do you have a text to back that up there, Owen? Of the time, yeah? Do you have a text to back that up? When you say God was not pleased by it, do you have a text that supports that, or is it your own opinion? No, it's, it's, it's when, you, when one reads the Bible, one doesn't read the Bible. Uh, where? Where Owen one, is one that? You read the Bible, um, you, take, you take a scripture, 
Where? Which scripture? Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not a theologian or things like that. But I'm a. I'm a practicing Christian. All right. I read. I read the Bible. I gotta move on there, Owen. I need somebody who's gonna share with us the facts of our faith. We cannot be talking about conjecture. If it's your opinion, it's okay. Say it's your opinion. You're allowed to share your opinions. That's the purpose of the show. But don't say your opinion is the Bible. Uh, go ahead. In the Book of Kings, when David um, um, slept with Bathsheba, yes. When the rebuke comes, yes, from the prophet, from the prophet, says, yes. "If you had wanted more, yes, I would, I would have given, given you more. more." So actually, God seems to suggest that if David had an appetite, yes, for, for more. having more feminine gender, on over and above the seven and eight that he had, yes, the Lord would have given him. An extra one. We, 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 we'll, we'll come back and I need the Mulana to breathe on this matter also. Mulana, please prepare yourself. Many activists say this is undermining women. It's using women as commodities. And when we interpret scripture as the way the bishop is interpreting scripture, it seems to be using women as commodities, as subjects of being used like God was mentioning the kingdom. I gave you the kingdom. I gave you the house of Saul. I gave you all the house of Judah. And, all, and I gave you all these wives. It Appears to be a subjugation of women. So, Mulan, I'd love to hear from you what your take is when when the activists say that. Let's go to Durban. Uh, John, good morning. Hi. I, I just want to say that uh, the Abraham had uh, concubines and slaves um, that he had children with, and it was blessed by God. In fact, his own wife, uh, and he had a, uh, was blessed with a son very late in life. Um, but basically, uh, if you the, the actual institution of marriage with the paper is a man-made thing. Um, but if you uh, uh, take uh, uh, someone as your own and forsake all others, etc., and uh, she can become your common law wife, quite honestly. Uh, you know, the, the, the joke is God didn't even condemn slavery. Um, Actually, it's not a joke. Say, it's a biblical fact. It, that's a fact, because uh, he said, slaves, be good to your masters and work well. And then he said, masters, be good to your slaves. Indeed, um, indeed. He, didn't, he didn't actually condemn the act of slavery. Yes. Uh, in fact, the, the, the headman of Ethiopia uh, was a slave. Okay, let, let's and, see to, to, to polygamy there, uh, John. I, I appreciate that, that, that example of slavery. But the polygamy, polygamy was allowed. Uh, uh, Abraham was a polygamist. When, uh, in, where do, in, where, what do you get in scripture that it's allowed? Well, Abraham himself was a polygamist, so conduct, and, he was, so, and he was blessed by God. So you're saying conduct in the Bible is allowed. When you see conduct in the Bible, therefore it's allowed. Is that your argument? Yes, God did not condemn his, 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 his sleeping with the concubine because it was a practice. And in fact, the, 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 the children of the slaves that he slept with also became his property, believe it or not. Um, but you didn't and, answer and my question God there, John. My question, John, was when you see a conduct in the Bible, does that to you mean that it is an injunction, something that is permitted? Does that mean God is okay with it when something is a conduct in the Bible? I think uh, uh, things that were wrong or considered wrong, uh, Christ spoke about. I mean, he, he cleared out the the, 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 the sellers, etc., the, the money lenders in, in, in the temple. Uh, he had no qualms about that. And yet he said nothing against slavery and okay. he said nothing against uh, uh, polygamy, which was a, a fairly common practice. Okay, got it. Okay, thank you very much, John. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Sakuda Anderson. Good morning. How are you? Well, thank you, Anderson. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, see, this, uh, this thing uh, here we're talking about, 
we 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 don't have to, we have to differentiate if somebody is is, is taking that to polygamy is, is that particular person a Christian or that is we are told, just talking about the people who are who are, who are, who are taking polygamy because. Because some of the people do not uh, follow Christianity. Forget about the people, Anderson. I'd like to know from you, does your scripture support or is is it against polygamy as far as you are concerned? Because I'm most interested to hear your opinion of what your scripture says. Uh, Actually, uh, as far as I know, the the, the Old Testament wasn't against the, 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 the polygamy okay but according to the, the the old i mean the new testament i never had anything talking about polygamy so in general i can say the bible is not against polygamy because there's nothing that opposes polygamy okay got it thank you very much appreciate your call anderson uh mulana it seems as though that there are some activists uh, that seem to be against polygamy because they say women are being commodified, they're used as tools, they're not human anymore, they're dehumanized by this making them property of men and that they are never getting the same rights as men because a man will choose which one to sleep with on that particular day and when if she has if he has five wives and he sleeps with one that particular night the other four are disadvantaged and so forth i'm sure you've heard the argument so mulana from your perspective how do you respond to that argument so quite a simple response to that uh, i think we must first engage the woman it's a woman uh, as who chooses to be part of a uh, polygynous relationship, has made a choice to be part of it, and uh, they also have needs and they also have um, uh, certain uh, uh, kind of, yeah needs basically that needs to be fulfilled, and uh, they have a choice uh, to be part of the polygynous marriage or, or not to be, and that is. Uh, also needs to be looked from that perspective, uh, not necessarily that is a, is, a, is a patriarchal or is a misogynist kind of uh, thinking. We are speaking to, when, when, when we speak, speak about activists, I'd like to imagine a woman activist that says this. And I'm sure you can imagine many South African women activists who will speak against this particular uh, thought. So when you say, let us speak to the woman, there will be women who will be against it, who will be advancing these arguments. Correct, yes. Uh, there will be women uh, against it, and that is basically, again, uh, uh, the right of the individual, and that is bas- based upon the experiences or the experience of someone uh, that was close to them. Uh, however, the system of uh, religion is purely based upon uh, choice uh, and, and the freedom uh, and the rights of the individuals to make that uh, choice. Uh, what we do um, need to also understand is that the oppression or the kind of um, uh, disregard to the sentiments and the, the feelings of the woman is not necessarily due to a polygyny in itself, but maybe it's more to do with the personality of the husband or uh, the, the women themselves that do not actually... Uh, believe or do not accept that kind of uh, relationship. And that's also based upon the choice because there will be other women that will uh, readily agree to be part of a religious relationship 
And uh, this is something that has also been uh, found to be true within the community, uh, Muslim community and other communities. As such. All right, Bishop, when we look at South Africa, the context of South Africa, I understand that people are listening from other countries, but our focus is South Africa now. Uh, why do you then, if, if this is true, why do you find Christian churches against polygamy? Why do churches even disfellowship or dismember or disorient those who are polygamists if the Bible has nothing against polygamy? There's no better answer except to mention what I call religious colonization, where we have a religion coming from outside of Africa with the plastic bag that it carries. And instead of being given the food inside the bag, we're told to eat the plastic also. The jacket in which Christianity is putting on when it comes to Ireland is altogether Eurocentric. It's altogether white in a greater extent of things, our expression, our music, our food, our matrimonial issues. And almost like when the white man comes to, 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 to colonize Africa, he is not only just interested in the materials and the wealth, but he's interested even in the culture, in the religion, even capturing the gods of the land. At the end of the day here, we are practicing what we call Christianity, which is as far from the Bible, yes. if not the African is closer to the Hebrew, yes. than he is to the white man. But we have rather opted a more Eurocentric diet and a more Eurocentric appetite of theologizing rather yes. than a biblically sound Afrocentric, even as Israel itself is on the land of Africa. Yes. We are just South Eden. That's east of Eden. <laughs> okay. So in all, by all fairness, there is no better explanation except to say we have theologians who have been baptized in the West, who, are, who, are, who have drunk the wine of of human rights and democracy and 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 equality and, and here we are what should be what should be culture is somebody is saying it has become theology it has become doctrine okay dr mulef why in your opinion is south africa against polygamy if as you say there is nothing against polygamy in scripture it's because <clears throat> largely uh Black churches mainly. Let me talk to those because I know those most. Black churches have been, our people have been denied uh, the freedom to be culturally creative and to enjoy the culture they, they have created. So, because black bodies have been supervised for a long time, people know how black people should behave. Even when they bring us religion, they don't allow us to think about things that religion does not impose on. So they want us to tell us how to drink, how to eat, things that... That, that religion is open about. They want to be prescriptive on those. So I think to use the notion of colonization, colonizing Christianity, it's more appropriate as the bishop uh, use, uh, calls it. I think that's my, my, my take on the issue. Does that also include these churches that are supposed to be um, forward-looking, these advanced, developed, uh, forward-minded, very enlightened churches uh, that seem to be not so enlightened as far as this issue is concerned? You may need to give me a little bit of details about the enlightened churches. Uh, uh, let me give you an example. In South Africa, we have churches that have accepted the concept of development and uh, saying we are no longer colonized. We have shunned the acts of colonialism and now we are transformed. That's a popular phrase, transformed. It, does that mean that even the transformed churches in South Africa are still colonized, as you're suggesting? Yes. The most important issue is who determines the content of transformation? 
So it's one thing to say, I go to a lot of institutions in South Africa and they say they're transformed. And I look at the color of the people who's developing the content for transformation. I think it's still the white people who's determining what is the content of transformation. So the normative package that decides on the interest of who's to be uh, transformed, it's people who brought in the first place the untransformed situation we're in. It is not the black people who are in the forefront of transformation. So these so-called development transformed uh, uh, religions, you find that it is not uh, people taking over their culture and determining how they want to imagine and how they want to live their lives. Their lives are still imagined for them. All they have to do is to practice what has been imagined for them. So real transformation has to empower individuals to be agent and individuals to take control of their culture and make it what they want it to be. When we come back, we'll take your text messages and more of your calls, 891 If you'd love to send a text message, send it to 34701 or... Oh, Three seven one zero four. Now, did I see right? All right. Uh, send those text messages and put in the calls there. Let's have enough conversation. What do you think? Why is it that South African churches are against it? If the bishop is correct, if the monarch is concerned, is, is correct. If the good doctor there, the philosopher, is correct, then what? Is it that you was a South African? And if I'm talking about you, I'm referring to those that are against it. Why are against it? Facts of faith. Right, we're in conversation about the issue of polygamy and why it seems to be frowned upon in South Africa. Let's read some text messages before we go back to the lines. One text message reads, and this one is from my daughter, it reads, The Africans don't believe that polygamy is the result of conflicts, hunger, and preferential treatment. What do you mean by that, my daughter? Another one says, this one is from Moonlin KZN, but nay, the Catholic priests are not allowed to get even one wife. Why? Think about it. What should I think about, Mundli? Another one says, Uma from Ghana in the Free State. Please, the Quran is a complete message from Allah. It's not Abraham or anyone's message. Polygamy is allowed by Allah, but has restriction attached. Thank you very much, Umar. Another one says, Bible says a man will live by the toil of his sweat. We frown on Zuma's polygamy because he steals to maintain it. He has not earned his polygamy. That's Jack in Alberton. I'm assuming that A-L-B means Alberton. All right. Um, I'm not quite sure if what you're saying is correct because President Zuma was polygamous long before he was president. So your argument falls away. Bring another one because that one really does not work as far as our conversation is concerned. 18 minutes now before uh, 11 right here on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We're taking your calls and your text messages and we are available on Twitter and on Facebook. Let's go to Kruger National Park. Martin, good morning. Morning, how are you? Nice? Well, thank you, Martin. Go ahead. Uh, um, morning to your guests. I think uh, God has given us the ability to think and uh, to analyze things that we see. There is a say in Tsonga that says a big family is like a ruin. So uh, what we have seen in history, especially in those families of polygamy, you find that when the father dies, the family itself uh, becomes oriented, And uh, you find... In that family, there's no more peace because the one who was in charge of it, there's no more. But we've seen that so with that, men who have never had polygamous marriages. They've still been having havoc in their families, most of the times, yeah. while they're still alive. No, you see, 
uh, when you look uh, from the polygamous uh, perspective, when those who are coming from those families, they will tell you more that uh, coming from a polygamous family, it is more challenging, especially if the sole provider is no more there. Because uh, each mother will try to cater for their own kids and not like their father will do to the whole uh, of his kids. And that on its own brings a challenge. Therefore, uh, so in time, most of us will get discouraged by seeing what is happening in those relationships on passing that to our families because we see the danger in which it does. But and so, Martin, you know, though, Bible is quiet in terms of that, but our ability which we are given gives us the uh, the ability to to move away from it. Uh, Tell me, Martin, but you, you're Bible. still not you're still not responding to the issue that this has this this havoc and disorientation is not only in polygamous families. This happens in almost all families. If I understand that view, uh, uh, but when you look to the polygamous more, is a way ahead from the monogamous one. So, so when you find that things happening in a monogamous relationship, how much more it is in a polygamous relationship? Uh, and I think it has been driven from that angle that okay. uh, since we see this thing to be much more in a polygamous I think it would be wise to discourage it when you say much more to have more conflicts within the families. When you say much more, do we have data to support this measurement? Uh, we may not have the data, but the person like myself who's grown up in the rural villages and still staying there yeah. and seeing people who are in that kind of relationship, yeah. I'm telling you, it's a disaster. It doesn't need science because, uh, 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 but for those of us who can see it, yeah. we can allude to the fact that yeah. there is more crisis in there than what one can see in the monogamous, monogamous ones. Okay, okay, got it. Thank you very much, Martin. Appreciate your call. Let's go to, was it Puloko? Puloko, yes, sir. Go ahead, Puloko. Let me give you the mighty name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, just quickly, Genesis chapter 6. Yes. Uh, verse, verses 2 and 3. I like says, that. Uh, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Yeah. They took wives of all who they chose. Yeah. And verse he says, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for if indeed flesh yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. Yeah. So this is the time when the sons of God saw daughters of men and they, they said that they were beautiful and they took of them um wives the that they the wives they chose that they felt they, they they wanted as wives. Yeah. And this dispute God we remember after this that is when uh the flood came and Noah was the only guy that uh, that remained. Uh when we then go to Mark Hold on, hold on, hold on. Explain. Hold on. Before we go to Mark Puluko, um, we will go to Mark. I'll give you the opportunity, I promise. What are you saying about that text? What what point are you driving with that text? What I'm basically trying to get at is what basically Paul refers to the Old Testament as the shadow of the new thing. The shadow we know is not the real thing, but yeah, it's just a picture of the real thing that is to come. So basically, God created man in his image, and then man, you must not forget that man sinned, man fell. 
God had wanted man to live in a certain way. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're you're, you're leaving me behind. We don't have much time. We need you to be as direct as possible. Those two texts, 6, 2, and 3, what are you saying there? Are you implying that God is against polygamy and you're using that text? That's exactly what I'm trying to get. Where do we find polygamy Uh, in the text, Puluko? How I'm I'm trying to get to to, 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 to what I mean is, is basically by going back to uh, what I mean by God created man in sin. Then man fell. After man fell, man had his own life. Hold on, Pulugo. Uh, Where do you see mm-hmm. polygamy in that text? That text mention, make, makes no mention of polygamy. No, it says here uh, uh, they, they chose, they took wives of uh, uh, the daughters of man, yes. uh, whomever they chose. Yes. I mean, that's, that's exactly what happens in, in polygamy. You take, um, let, let me get. The, 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 uh, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So to, so to you, that means they had. So you, you are saying that that's plurality. That means they took many wives, one man with many wives. That's what you're saying. Exactly, exactly, whom they chose. They just took whomever, just as we see it happening in polygamy, a, a king or, or a man who practices polygamy, taking a woman who he chooses, whom he chooses. Got it, so got that it. Is exactly what happened there. I hear, God, you, I hear you, Puluk. We'll have our, our, our yes. guests respond to the text. All right. You had another one from Mark. And, and, and God punished by them uh, with the flood. Basically. All right. Go ahead with the, to the Mark text, Puluk. Oh, oh, yes. Mark text. I was basically trying to... Which uh, text is it? ...go to the, to the, to the issue of the, the, the law being the shadow, which uh, polygamy is a part of, which is just a shadow of the real thing. Uh, the, the, in, in the book of Mark, the, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, uh, they start asking him about divorce. And then they said, Moses taught us this. And then Jesus said, okay, no, I hear you. Moses taught us this, but I, Jesus, am saying this. So basically, the, we see polygamy in the Old Testament. What does Jesus then say? And then he says, that's what I'm trying to get at. Again, are you aware, Puluko, that polygamy is not part of the law? So you cannot say that the law is the shadow as though polygamy is part of the law. I mean, just like the bishop was couldn't there, God saying, look, if you had asked me for another woman, I would have given it to you. Yes, but that's so not God part of the not, law did there, not have, did not have a problem then with, uh, uh, with the, because that was the standard man. He was communicating with man at the standard where man was. Okay. At the standard of understanding of, of a human being having fallen from the image of God, from the glory of God. Okay. God still had, had, had the desire to communicate with man. All right, Puruga got cut there. Maybe we ran out of air. Let's go to Somerset West. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Maya, and your guests. I just want to comment on what one of your uh, guests said. You know, it's not a white man that colonized African religion. Uh, it is St. Paul. God said St. Paul is his chosen instrument to proclaim his word before kings and nations. The, it, uh, the first people that was converted to Christianity was some Jews. The Italians was converted in the 4th century. The Irish, I think, was in the 5th century. And uh, tribes like the Germans was only converted Paul, in the 7th century. Are, are you talking about colonization now? In other words, if you said that the white man colonized... Let's move on. Paul is talking about something else. We are not talking about colonization right now. Call in when we talk about colonization. We're talking about polygamy right now. Let's go to Pile Naidu. Pile Naidu, good morning. Hello, good morning. I just want to make two quick points, please. Yes. God never wrote a single scriptural text for any religion anywhere in the world. Except for the Ten Commandments, which he wrote with his own finger. That's my opinion. Hello? Except for the Ten Commandments, which he wrote with his own finger. I don't know about that. I don't know who the God is that gave 
which people the Ten Commandments. Okay, okay. But the God I believe in never wrote a single t- scriptural text for any religion anywhere in the world and therefore, at any time in history. Yeah. So, no matter what subject you discuss, it will always be subject to the views of humans who wrote their texts, yes. giving us their human perspective Indeed. on the matter. And you're entirely Therefore, correct. there will never be unanimity among all the religions. You'd be surprised. Thank you very much, Mr. Pele Naidu. Appreciate your call. All right, let me read the final text message and then we'll have our guests have their own parting shots. Uh, one says, hello, can you ask daughter, uh, the daughter if polyandry is also acceptable? Can I, can I, a woman, have two or more husbands? If not, why not? That uh, person didn't say that one. Thank you. Another one says, Pastor Maponga, when God and had an opportunity to give a man a wife, he gave only one wife. How many years did Joseph and Mary stay in Egypt if he had another family. How could that be possible? Another one says, uh, God's standard is at Matthew 19, 4 and 5. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made a them at the beginning made the male and female and said for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh I'm not sure what you mean by that text text message writer another one says dr mulefan bishop maponga please address the difficulties that come about as a result of polygamous family setup do we have success in this area that one is from safi so i'm going to start with you dr mulefan and then we'll have the mulana and then bishop you'll be the last one please be as brief as you can gentlemen two minutes each and i will have to cut you off when you go beyond the two minutes dr mulefan you go yes <clears throat> look um i think what has happened is that our ability to be creative and to solve problems arising out of relationship have been circumscribed because monogamy has been imposed as, as a standard. When we start creating a space for people to be creative and to think about issues within different forms of organization and different forms of relationships, people will be able to deal with problems that are, are inherent in a particular system. So the problem is not that uh, the problem is not that other problems are less or not. The problem is that are people capacitated to deal with those kinds of problems and quickly to deal with the issue of polyandry. Um, look, I think the Bible takes a very patriarchal slant yes. in terms of it emphasizing uh, male dominance. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't envisage a Bible encouraging. Uh, polyandry. Uh, polyandry in a so, any look, stretch of imagination. Yeah, look, Bible, Bible, I've written elsewhere that the Bible is very patriarchal. Indeed. It's male-centered. It's a, it's a male's voice that creates the world. It's a woman who's invited into a man's world. I don't imagine that kind of a setup. One last point is that the Bible is very specific that adultery is a sin. Yes. But what the Bible does not do is to tell us what kinds of relationship uh, Ad- are adulterous. Yes. So it is a culture in my submission that will define what is adult. If it's a culture is monogamous, if you have an, a, 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 a sexual intercourse with someone outside of that monogamous, it's adultery. If a culture is polygamous, if you have a relationship with someone outside of that polygam, uh, polygamous relationship, then that's adultery. But the Bible is very specific that adultery is a sin. But yes. what constitutes adultery will yes. then be defined by a culture. Got it. Thank you very much, Dr. Muliv. Brilliant, brilliant indeed there. Let's go on to the Mulana. Go ahead, sir. Yes, first of all, the, the religion... Um, or from Islam's perspective, it is divine from God in that he has legislated certain laws for human society to exist and to flourish and to develop and progress. It has taken consideration the uh, emotions, the sentiments of a human being as individual and also as a community. 
It is in this light that polygamy and polygyny has been institutionalized as part and parcel of the way of life as divinely instituted uh, in Islam, submitting to the will of God. And it is done with certain uh, conditions to ensure that no injustice is being committed or perpetrated against any individual. It is also need to be understood that uh, uh, the freedom and the choice of the, 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 the one or the couple that intends to marry, like the, how, the spouses, that that freedom is, uh, is enshrined within Islam in itself. So whoever engages in a polygynous relationship, uh, they have been given that freedom of choice to engage in it. Uh, pertaining to the kind of um, problems that arises from polygynous marriages, it is not because of the, the marriage itself. It is because of the individuals who in, in themselves has not been able to fulfill uh, what is required from them. And in this way also we see it an internal condition, a spiritual condition of the individual. And that is why it's of priority that uh, we, we, we try continuously to improve our internal uh, spiritual condition, our emotions, our uh, psychological uh, understanding framework of how we see our lives. Uh, and then we are able to embrace this kind of uh, laws and legislation okay. which comes from the divine. i got to move on, uh, Molana. I need to give the, the bishop the opportunity and then we close out our program. Our time is up. Bishop, your parting shot. You heard the questions already. Yes. Yeah, first one, I don't want to address the problems of polygamy. I want to address the problems of a non-polygamous society. Monogamy. We have um, war, diseases, gay and lesbian rights, and etc. that have infiltrated the, co the community. And the ratio of men to women is one to six, if you can say so. What do we do with the other six women who are walking around? Should they become prayer warriors? The answer is no. The Bible itself says in the book of Isaiah chapter 4 that in the last days it shall be one man to seven women. They will bring their own food, their own etc. and they will look after themselves. And if we believe in the Bible... And the times are now due to war and etc. What must we do with the women that are walking around? Secondly, if your brother dies and then his children are walking around, would yeah. you rather have your children being brought up by uh, another, man. An, another man and they're your blood? The Bible itself says and you must go in and, and redeem your brother and, and look after his and the wife. family. So in, in as much as we want to talk about polygamy as a one issue, we must not forget the context of the greater Bible itself. It's about community building. Yes. And in many times and often our form of Christianity that we've been imposed on us yes. does not recognize the family unit. To a yes. certain extent that they find you polygamous, the ones that divorce the first one, the last one, and stay with the first one. Yes. What do you do with the children that yes. they've made? You must yes. throw them to the streets because of Christianity. So I think there's some Thing fundamentally evil about the Christianity that breaks away the community. And in my own thing, this is God's business. If it is not a sinful thing, let's not make it a big case out of There's it. There's a question that says, uh, when God had an opportunity to put together a family, he made it monogamous. Your response to that? The plurality of creation cannot be undermined. But the fourth chapter, you already have a polygamous uh, relationship. But when Bible. God instituted his own family, it was monogamous. We cannot leave outside the garden what was built in the garden. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 Adam and Eve was in the garden. Yes. They were chased out by the third chapter of the Bible. So we're living according to sin, not according to the origins of God. If we're on the origins, then go back to the garden. We're not in the garden. Isn't that the whole idea to go back there? Ideal, back to Eden the reality, the reality of a community walking around prostitution and everything else, and in the name of Christianity, yes. I look at that with, with a disdain in my face. Right. These women could have dignity in the in homes where they are being, uh, you know, catered for and building their own families. And polyandry. 
polyandry pinch of salt is i would not want to say much about that because what do you do how do you procreate it, it creates a whole different uh, scenario <laughs> so Maybe. it's a matter of situations now let's discuss culture in institutional okay. ethics got it got it got leave it right there uh bishop joshua Maponga the third uh thank you very much for coming through and talking to us and also we do thank you Milana sean appleby we appreciate you coming through and dr mutamai mulef we really appreciate you coming through and talking to us we'll do this again next week same time same place from me and the team have a wonderful day and godspeed it's news time